Welcome to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Here, we're bridging the gap to find a connection in a society that can sometimes feel isolating. We've all experienced our share of successes and the challenges that we faced along the way, and we're here to talk about all of them, along with sharing some tidbits on mental health. So grab your favorite drink, pop a squat, and you might just hear something that sounds familiar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely, and today I'm joined by Chasley Coleman, who I'm actually just meeting for the first time in person today. Um, We got connected through a mutual friend who, I think it was a year ago, reached out to me and said, you have to meet this brave, bold, authentic woman, and she's just like you, you'll get along great, and we just never met. So now is the time, and I'm so excited to hear from her because I've been stalking her on social media for the last year. Um, But she has an incredible story of becoming a mom in the last six months and living out her dream as she embarks on this new journey. So I can't wait for you to hear from her. Chasley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And I'm saying your name right. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's right. (laughs) Because some people don't pronounce my name right, and I'm like, "Eh, I'm not going to correct them. So I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) No, you did great. You did perfect. Um, Yeah, no, I will pretty much answer to anything. Okay, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share. Yeah. So um, I am 32, and um, I'm from Tuscaloosa. I grew up here going to school, you know, elementary, high school and everything. And all throughout my life, I was like, one day I'm going to move out of here. I'm going to go and do something and see the world. And um, I ended up coming to college here as well at the University of Alabama. And then I just never left. (laughs) I ended up staying in Tuscaloosa. Um, I did a few internships, like I did one in DC and then one in Birmingham and um, then ended up coming to grad school and that was kind of what I guess landed me here. And so I got my degree in public relations and communications and, um, wanted to try and find a job either with like a firm or something like that, but they just weren't hiring at the time. This was like back in 2014. And so I had gotten really into weight training And decided to randomly become certified as a personal trainer. (laughs) Just as a fun, sad gig. It wasn't supposed to be permanent. And um, I had a friend who was like, oh, if you're trying to find a job, I know some people at a gym here. And she helped me get a job there. And then it became a full-time thing. And that lasted for three years. And then um, I started working at the YMCA and became wellness director there. And so I spent like four or five years in a health and wellness career that I wasn't really expecting, but it was a lot of fun. I got to meet so many different people along the way. It was something I would have never pinned myself as doing because I'm not athletic at all. Um, But it kind of segued into the next job that I had, which was in communications um, for a company here in town. And uh, during that time, I met my husband. Um, We dated, let's see, for three years. And then we got married in October of 2021. We didn't do a traditional style wedding. We literally 
packed up all of our stuff and went to Cades Cove in Tennessee, which is part of the uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. And then two months later, we found out we were pregnant. <laughs> and so uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind for the last few years. Um, spent most of last year pregnant and had my son Wheeler in August and... That's where we are now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you kind yeah. of had had your hand in mm-hmm. a little bit of everything yes. in the last, well, since 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's wild. Yeah. And then now you have a sweet little baby. Yes. So yeah. That kind of led into leaving your job. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I am full time staying at home with my son. Um, and during that process, um, just kind of with the background that I have and the things that I enjoy doing, I decided to start a blog called Homemade Mama. And I have, I guess on the way home from, cause I went back to work for like two weeks and one of those days I left, I had to leave my son with my aunt, um, cause he's not in daycare or anything. And uh, on, I guess after I had gotten back, I told her, yeah, the plan is to transition into staying at home with Wheeler because, um, we just feel like that would be the best thing for him and for our family. And with my aunt who has stayed at home with her children too said, I just really think that that's an awesome thing that you're doing. I know it's not for everybody, but she was like, it was really beneficial for us. And I guess we just got to talking about homemaking as a, as a thing and how not that many people really do it anymore, but that having a warm home where you it's like a safe space where you can come home and land, whether you're the child or the parent or whatever, to be able to come home, recharge, get what you need to, and then, you know, go back out into the world, whether you're in school or at your job or whatever. And she said, you know, it's funny that you say that because people are not, people are kind of beginning to get away from that. There's not so many people homemaking anymore. It's not celebrated. And she said that she and her son were watching Leave it to Beaver, (laughs) like on TV land. (laughs) And um, in the episode, the mom had baked a cake and it was just sitting out on the countertop. And in the episode, they run in, they come and get a piece of the cake and then they head out. And her son, who is like my generation, was like, why did she bake that cake? Why was it just sitting there? And she said, well, that's what you used to do. You used to just have cake sitting out on the counter for whoever happened to drop by, whether it was a guest or whatever. And then you could be a good host and offer them a piece of cake. We should bring that back. I want cake. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want cake or cookies or just... A good snack waiting for you. And so um, she explained that to her son. And he was just kind of dumbfounded by this concept of having like refreshments ready to go on the counter at any given time. And she said, well, that was just the art of homemaking. And she goes, it's kind of sad. We have lost the art of homemaking. We just kind of came up with this idea of homemade mama and amazing reviving the lost art of homemaking yeah and also it kind of allows you to use your skills and your knowledge because you went to school for communications yes so talk about how you see that playing into this whole new project yes so okay truth be told i struggled for the longest time in my early 20s and even into my late 20s of wanting to do something 
for the Lord and like having whatever my profession be before the kingdom, you know, and, and I actually started out in, of all things, political science, because I thought, oh, maybe I'll go to law school and make the world a better place through, the, you know, being a lawyer or being a politician or something like that. And about my sophomore year, I started to see my overall trajectory sort of shift. The Lord was just beginning to to pull me more towards the communication side. So I switched that as my major, ended up going to grad school. And I, you know, like I said, got this communications degree, thought, okay, so maybe I'll go work for a PR firm or something like that. And none of those options ever really worked out. And so I just struggled um, figuring okay, I've got this degree. I thought that I was doing what the Lord wanted me to do. I thought that he wanted me to go into this career with communications, but none of it was panning out because I was in the fitness world. (laughs) And that was the total opposite end of the pool. And I was like, well, maybe I've, maybe I got it all wrong. Like maybe I should have gone to school and, uh, you know, gotten a degree in, uh, exercise physiology and all that kind of stuff. And it was actually my family that just said, you write really, really well. Like you don't understand the gift that you have through this. And so, um, I guess once I started working at my last job, that was the first time that I was actually able to write. And in fact, my boss said, the reason that we hired you is because you write so well. <laughs> like, that is why we wanted you to come work for us because um, you just have a skill for it and we think that it would really add value to the company. I guess during that time, the Lord really allowed confidence to grow in my ability to write through all of that. So once it came time to stay at home and switch over um, into this new season of life, it just kind of came naturally like, okay, I do have this ability to write. I, I do know, okay, I've got this skill as a communicator. We'll just fuse the two. Yeah. <laughs> and it's finally coming to light. Like, okay, here we are. Amazing. It. Yeah. Right. It's taken years to get here. Yes. Exactly. It's all making sense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Communication is so important. Yes. And another thing the world has kind of thrown to the wayside. Yes. Communication, people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally see how that plays in. And... The other day you posted on Instagram, you're kind of sharing your story a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wow, to be able to share your story in the written word Mm -hmm. and like, it was so powerful too. Cause you talk a little bit about growing up with, you know, kind of the need to like please or like put on a show, put Mm -hmm. on a happy face, even though everything is not happy. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Cause you mentioned confidence throughout your Mm twenties. I'm wondering, does it get better in your (laughs) thirties? Yes. So I think it, it gets better in certain areas, but then just like with everything there, there's always some area that you're, that's new that you're having to figure out. And so in those situations, I think it is more difficult to, to be confident because now, whereas in my twenties, I struggled with confidence in my ability as a professional. Now it's shifted into, okay, Am I being a good mom? Am I juggling that along with my marriage well? Am I still putting in everything that I can into um, like this blog that I have? 
is am I balancing everything well? So it's, it's like it's shifted, I guess. That question kind of existentially exists. And I think the trick, though, is not letting it shake your confidence so much, but taking that question and rather than seeing it as, oh my gosh, am I legitimate or not? Seeing it as maybe like your spirit and your soul kind of taking inventory and saying, okay, here's where we are. Here's where we need to be. How are we going to get there? Yeah, it's tricky. But I think it does get better with practice. I think it can. Um, Even though you'll still hear a lot of people in their 30s saying, I still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, join the club. Yes. We all don't know what we're doing until our last day. We don't know what we're doing. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So just be comfortable with that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But I refuse like I'm looking towards my 30s and yes. I'm like, I can't wait. Some yes. people are like, no, I'm, tu- I'm turning 30 and crying. And I'm like, yes. no, because this is going to be a new decade. And I refuse to be sad or like wondering what people think about me anymore. Like I just am who I am. Exactly. I'm 30 already. Yes. Come on. I agree. When I was approaching 30, I was so excited because I was like, let's just leave the 20s behind. They were the awkward figure it out years and... I'm ready to press on. On your Instagram, you shared, Mm -hmm. I think it was on your Instagram, (laughs) that you have ADHD. Yes. um, And kind of struggled with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Working, Mm -hmm. now doing all the things. um, What is that like? I was diagnosed with ADD and um, had struggled actually from the time of six with depression and anxiety. Um, so we knew that that was present and the way that it was communicated to me as a child was a little bit different. So I didn't know that, oh, I've got this other thing. It was just something that we managed. (laughs) And then in fifth grade, like I said, my sister, who's two years younger than me, was actually the first one who was tested for ADD, you know, came back with the diagnosis. They started her on some medication, her grades got better, her life improved. And so I told my parents I want to go and be tested for ADD too, because I just feel like I struggle and maybe this would help me. So sure enough, we go get tested, get the diagnosis. And at first it was somewhat embarrassing. I guess back then people didn't talk about any, anything having to do with mental health. Yeah, which is maybe I wonder why with the depression at such a young age. I mean, it was a blessing for them to talk to you about it in a way that wasn't like condemning or like there's something wrong with you. It was just something that you managed. But I wonder because back in the 90s, like nobody really talked about this stuff. There wasn't Instagram pages Mm -hmm. about like Mm -hmm. ADHD, ADD, bipolar disorder, like all these other things that are out there in the world. No, it's so true. I'm glad that you brought that up because there was actually a girl in my fourth grade class who had ADD. And she was just really open about it. She also had some behavioral issues um, and was more likely to be one of the kids that acted out in class. So she was really open and said, oh, I have ADD. This is why I am the way that I am, like one day at the lunch table or something. And I guess then was the first time that it almost had like a negative connotation because even the way that she talked about it was like, oh, I've got this thing and I'm looked down upon because of it. And so when I got that diagnosis in the fifth grade, 
it was kind of like I had a, fish, a flashback to my classmate saying, oh, I have ADD and it not being a good thing. I kind of remember being embarrassed and thinking, I need to keep this to myself. Like, at least I have the help that I need now, but I need to not talk about it. So the older that I got, the more prevalent that diagnosis became, the more open people started being about it. And so it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I've got that too. No problem. <laughs> um, but the issue then that I started to notice, I guess, more, perhaps because I was more mature, older, was just that the way that your brain functions when you do have ADHD is so much different than the way the world wants you to function. Um, I don't do well in a box, so to speak. I would always say, I can't go to the library to study because if I go to the library to study, nothing's gonna happen. I will be so distracted, I'll never get anything done. But I could go home and sit on the couch in front of the TV with music playing and study like that, and <laughs> I would thrive. And people would be like, what? <laughs> okay, so I'm starting to wonder, do I have undiagnosed ADHD? <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I kind of came to terms with it in grad school. I started doing a lot better in school. Um, I was always an AB student, never straight A, but when I got to grad school, I did really well and I kind of settled into my own. It was kind of like, okay, this is how your brain functions and it's fine. Like there's pros and cons to it. Just lean on the pros. And, um, but then when I got to the last job that I was in, it was a very, very structured old school atmosphere where they wanted you to be at your desk from eight to five with your lunch, of course. I mean, you got that, but they didn't want you touching your cell phone at any point during the day. Um, if you weren't at your desk, then you couldn't possibly be doing work. They didn't want you out in the halls talking with your coworkers. It was like very structured. And, and how was the morale the, at this place? Quite, quite low. <laughs> <laughs> okay, makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. And there was a generational gap, too, that they had. Um, so that kind of played into it. Uh, and and basically what was happening was they were beginning to experience a really high turnover rate because my generation's like, what? Yeah, get with the program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We cannot thrive here. Um, but uh, it kind of tested my confidence again. It was kind of like, oh, well... I didn't thrive in this environment before. I don't really know how this is going to work out now. And so I kind of tried to <laughs> fake it for the longest time. Like, yeah, I am, I am good. We are, yes. We're doing really well. And then I guess the pandemic kind of threw me for a curve because um, that had to, that did change the structure that we worked within. Did you guys work from home for a period of time? We did. Yeah, it was not, they really, really didn't want to because again, if you're not at your desk in an office, then there's no way you're doing work. So, um, but while I was at home, I got more done during that time than I ever had. It was amazing. My productivity report was through the roof. It was great. So, yeah. So I worked from home in my last job mm -hmm. and I loved it because, well, okay. So I got a lot more done, not only at work, but yes. also around the house yes um, whatever I don't yeah. care anyways yeah. um so but it was it was frustrating because I still had that micromanaging sort of um yes. where my supervisor would like ask me mm -hmm. 
the dumbest questions that she could find answers to and knew the answers to just to yes. make sure that I was like active on teams. Yes. And I'm like, why? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> why are we doing and this? And I have yeah. never been delinquent on any of my projects or anything. So why is there this like necessity to check in and make sure that I'm working? Yes, exactly. Which you also shared on Instagram. <laughs> okay. So basically everyone just go to her Instagram and check out her page. I will link it in the show notes, but that's the gist. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's so true. I, um, man, it was really, it was kind of confusing because I was in a situation where I was kind of more or less told like, okay, these are the rules, but I don't really care if you play by them. When in reality, I was being held to that standard the entire time. And so um, at the time I had a brand new puppy and so I could take her out at lunch to go potty and have time to eat my food and then come back in, work on some emails. Uh, then when I had like a small break, instead of going to the break room, I could vacuum my floors or something. I mean, it was great. I loved it. It, it was just, you had a lot better work-life balance when you're able yes. to do that. And the, mm-hmm. that's so important. And I think that's where the world is kind of going to. I mean, now, you know, moms don't just stay at home and dads are now more active in the family and folding clothes and doing the dishes and all of this stuff. Yes. So like, how can we be conducive of that in the work environment as well? Yes. Not saying that we should spend, you know, four hours a day just working and doing other stuff on the rest of the time, but you know, (laughs) um, so I agree. I will write a letter to those people at your last (laughs) place. What have you been learning about yourself in this process of transitioning to motherhood? Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously this new homemade mom up. Man, one minute I will be like, I'm killing it. I'm I'm doing well as a mother. My son is learning and developing and he is dressed and his diaper is changed and the dishes are in the dishwasher and my husband is happy. He's got what he needs. Like we are killing it. And then literally within the span of about five minutes, <laughs> I'll be like, nope, I still have more clothes to stain treat because my son just had a blowout and <laughs> Kevin's texting me and saying that he doesn't have what he needs. And, um, so what I am discovering is that, I mean, it's just always this continuous journey throughout life of learning how to, balance everything and learning how to take a deep breath and say, it's okay. It's not perfect, but perfection is not what's required. It's just, you know, making, we're all learning together and we're going to get to the other side. And as we're learning together through this, that that's strengthening the bond between me and my son It's strengthening the bond between me and my husband And that's what it's all about. It's the journey, not the destination. Yeah, just kind of rediscovering that all over again. It's like the same theme that recurs throughout my life. (laughs) Same. Uh You are not alone. And that's like the purpose of this podcast is for people to know that like we are all trying our best because get on Instagram, get on Facebook, do whatever, look at TikTok and be like, wow, this person has it together and I don't. I suck as a human being. Uh, but yes. it really is just like, I mean, every season of life is a transition yeah. and trying to figure out, okay, I thought I had this 
figured yes. out in the last yes. season. Uh-huh. And now, like, what am I doing? It's yes. the same but different. Exactly. Um, so you yeah. talk a lot about perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Enneagram you are? Yes. <laughs> so I'm actually a seven. What? <laughs> which is... I am not the average seven. And it took me a long time to figure out what my Enneagram was because like I I said, I'm so not your average seven. Um, But I think a lot of that has to do with just like how I grew up and the home life that I had. It wasn't bad. It was good. But we just were really limited on the things that we could go do. So whereas you think of the stereotypical seven as being like, oh, fun. And they're so spontaneous and they go and do all the time and all they care about is like having fun. Um, We weren't really able to do that growing up. And so I had to learn from a very young age, like how to be patient and how to like be satisfied with the things that you do have. Um, but I still have the existential sevenisms, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> that exist. So that well, that's is interesting. Yes. Cause I'm an Enneagram one, which is a perfectionist, but I've learned that like in health, I moved to a seven and yes. sevens when in stress, they move to a one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting yes yeah which that that is one of my biggest characteristics that kind of made me think okay seven is probably where I belong because when I am in stress perfectionism is what happens and I just I get like a little bit more geared up and a little bit more geared up and everything starts becoming like no this is not perfect this is not perfect black and white yeah there's no gray exactly like either this or that and that's it yeah, your only option. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right or wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like you said, no gray. It's got to fit here or here. Not both places at once. And so having to take a deep breath and take a step back and being like, no, just enjoy where you are in the moment. Like it's yeah. fine. Yeah. So good. It's a struggle. <laughs> it is a struggle. Uh-huh. But if you can figure out how to do it, it's great. Yeah. Um. So you talked a lot about doing. Like making sure everyone else is taken care of. Yes. Right? Yes. What do you do for yourself? Like how do you manage self-care? What does that look like? Yeah. So I'm still learning the art of how to do that. I think that's one of the like the biggest struggles that you have as a mom is because you're just trying to make sure that the baby's fed, the baby's changed, the baby has everything that the baby needs. And that takes a lot of time. And so (laughs) it's so funny because... One of the things that my husband and I used to love doing was coming home and cooking dinner and figuring out what we were going to eat. And then on the weekends, we would have a date night at our favorite restaurant, and it always involved really good food. Well, ever since the baby was born, now it has become, (laughs) what do you want to eat? I don't really care what I eat anymore. <laughs> I just need calories. Yeah, I just need food. Exactly. I don't even care what it is. Just hand it to me on a plate. I'll eat it. Sounds good. And so um, it's kind of been like that with the rest of my life too. But the biggest thing that I would say I'm doing to take care of myself and just kind of where I can take a deep breath is um, at night after Wheeler has been put to bed, literally just watching a show, um, reading a book, like just the simple joys in life that you get to have. Sometimes I'll use that time to take a shower and actually wash my hair <laughs> or, um, you know, do my nails or something like that. Um, so that's kind of the, the time that I allow myself to be able to take a deep breath. And usually my husband's working on stuff from work during that time anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny how 
when you become a mom, how much, like before you needed eight hours of sleep, but somehow you can function on just four when you're a mom. <laughs> I mean, it's like you take time and you multiply it, I guess, when you're a mom. Um, because even though I only have like two hours at night to just kind of relax. And like the other night, my husband and I watched a movie. Um, that's that's enough to fill me up. And then I'm ready to go and I'm recharged and it's all good. <laughs> How do you have time to like manage your relationship and make sure that's at yes. a good place. So that has been a struggle, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, I mean, our marriage is great. We're doing really well. Um, but it, it was definitely an adjustment, um, especially because we went from zero to 60 so fast. I mean, literally, I was at work on August 16th. My son was born on the 17th. I guess we weren't really anticipating the strain that it would put on our relationship just because you are in a little bit of survival mode there, at least for the first month (laughs) of, holy crap, I got to keep the baby alive. And for us, our air conditioner went out the day that we got home. Actually, the day that we left for the hospitals when it went out. And then the day when we got home, our house was burning up because this is the middle of August. and In Alabama. Yes. That was rough. We tried to tough it out and like... I mean, you know, newborns, they have to stay warm. It's kind of a struggle for them to stay warm. Mm -mm. He was sweating. (laughs) Like this poor little newborn was like, what is this? And we did not get a good night's sleep. So we went and stayed with my parents for two weeks until the part for our air conditioner got in. Um, So we were really thrown into it. And uh, just trying to figure out the time and the space to be able to work through things. Um, You know, it was a major shift on my husband because he's he's totally the opposite personality type of me I am very roll with the punches let's go whatever it's fine he's a big time planner he likes to know what to expect he, he has his daily routine he doesn't really like to get off his routine and so throwing a baby in the mix of all of it was pretty tough for him the routine is out the window at that point. yeah I mean <laughs> you're just trying to figure it out yeah <laughs> like, babies are unpredictable it's very very unpredictable and so, um, you know, adjusting to not getting as much sleep at night and all that kind of stuff was pretty difficult. And um, so, yeah, we had several weeks that we were kind of like passing ships, you know, I'm keeping up with the baby. He's keeping up with he um, manages a, a physical therapy clinic. So he was keeping up with this clinic and trying to do everything he needed to there. And finally, I guess about a month and a half after he was born, we had our first date night and it was like, whoa, like we finally got to catch our breath. The baby was with my parents. So we knew that he was, he was being well cared for. He had everything that he needed and we had our first real conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, wait, who are you again? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, we married each other because we love each other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we actually do enjoy each other's company. And um, so we did kind of have to um, alter expectations because, I mean, it takes a strength. Like, the baby needs part of your budget. Baby needs your time. I mean, it's it's a lot. And um, I feel like just now we're getting our feet back under us and we kind of know what to expect. And, um, it took some work though. And it, I mean, 
there were some fights. I'm not gonna lie, just some arguments. I love the authenticity. (laughs) I love it. I live for it because I'm like, I mean, my husband and I deal with these similar things too and we don't have children we oh, have a yeah. puppy mm-hmm. oh my gosh when we got the puppy it was, sounded a lot like having a newborn listen yeah i can can confirm i have had both and yes it is similar <laughs> at least with a baby there's a buffer time between because when you have a puppy you bring them home you're up with them all night but they can already like get around your house and chew up things and uh you know poop on the carpet and things like that (laughs) with a baby it's contained like you do one thing at a time it's like okay we're getting up a lot at night got that check okay eventually you're going to be able to crawl but you have time to like baby proof yeah the the baby didn't come (laughs) out of the womb running exactly full speed exactly like a puppy (laughs) yes yes uh-huh yeah so anyway thank you for being so authentic i love that about you Hey, it's me, Alex, just popping in to give you a break from our current episode to remind you that your story matters. If you have something that you think you'd like to share on the podcast, feel free to check the show notes for a link and don't be afraid to reach out. Also, if you're enjoying the show and want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow me on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. That's S-O-U-N-D-S-F-A-M-I-L-I-A-R dot P-O-D. All right, now back to the show. Um, what is your biggest passion? I mean, you talked about writing the baby, of course. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you just yeah. love doing? I guess the older that I've gotten, the number one thing that I've always been motivated by is relationships and connection and family. I mean, it all like kind of cycles into the same thing. Um, but yeah, I just, I love people. I love meeting people, getting to know people. Um, I love traveling and, oh my gosh, so much fun. The seven. Yes. The seven is coming out now. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, I love traveling and getting to see new places and just like getting out on the road and going somewhere new. So much fun to me. Like I, for the longest time before I was married, before I had children, well, I guess a little bit while I was married, before I had my first baby, um, I kind of needed at least one trip every month, (laughs) even if it was small, like three hours away. I needed a trip a month to look forward to, to be able to trudge through. Do you have a trip planned now that you have Wheeler? (laughs) Unfortunately, right now we don't. Um, we, my parents just got back from Washington, DC, which I, I love DC. I love, um, Old Town Alexandria. I love Georgetown, those restaurants, that area. It's just so fun to me. And I love history. So obviously there's a lot of that there. Um, and they got to go to DC and the discussion was that we would go with them. And then I don't know what happened, but it just never happened. (laughs) So they went without us, but of course it was really cold, probably not the best time to take a baby to DC. So we're thinking of maybe, um, planning a trip in April and going by train of all things, um, because it's cheaper, but it's faster than driving (laughs) and you're not having to deal with, uh, like catastrophes like Southwest had. Yes. Don't want that. Or layovers or anything. Yes. Or the possibility of losing your luggage. Like, mm -mm. no, you can just get there all in one piece, which is great. And, uh, so we're thinking about maybe doing that and going in the spring. So 
you know, get to see all the cherry blossom and all of that fun stuff that goes along with it. So uh, it's a possibility that that will be coming in April. Yeah, hopefully, because you've been on autopilot for some time. Yes. You need something to look forward to. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That would be great. Um, What are some strengths that you have gained as a result of anything that you've walked through in your life? Yeah. Um, My biggest thing is perseverance. Um, Because, like, I've talked about what we've talked about here, but if I'm being 100% honest, that's honestly just scratching the surface. Um, I have so many different things that have happened throughout my life. Um, One of the biggest things was when I was a kid growing up, um, I had two sisters. Uh, My younger sister that's right below me, she's two years younger than me. And then my youngest sister was five years younger than me. And she was born with a really, really, really rare um, neurological condition. And it, the way that it presented itself was, um, she developed normally as a baby. Um, she developed all the way until she was about two and a half, like a normal child, but she just never walked. And so my parents had her, um, tested for several different things and she was diagnosed. It's called metachromatic leukodystrophy, MLD for short. And, um, they pretty much gave her two years to live. They just sent my parents home and were like, there's no cure for this. Um, and y'all should just go home and make her comfortable. And, um, that was bleak. And my other sister and I didn't really understand what was going on, but my parents communicated it to us the best they could. And essentially, I mean, my mom comes from a huge, very strong faith background. Um, my dad does as well, but um, he is in the medical professional, the medical profession as well, and um, loves his family through and through. And so they came home and they were just like, you know what? We're not going to take that diagnosis as the final answer. We're going to pray and hope that she's healed miraculously. And so she actually ended up living until she was 14. Um, so she passed away when I was 19. But what it did was totally restructure how my family worked. Um, It meant that we couldn't be spontaneous and go really do anything. I mean, we had to like plan just to go to Walmart or the grocery store because we had to pack her up in her wheelchair and take her with us. And it was always, um, it was always just a process. (laughs) And so um, that was kind of what, Um, like I said, made me had to learn the art of patience because as a seven, I was always wanting to go do something fun. Like, why can't we go do something fun? Well, we didn't really function like a normal family. And so, um, that was kind of the first thing that really, um, shaped me as a person because it lasted for so long. And I mean, it was literally my entire childhood. Um, but you know, learning how to, take the circumstances that you're given no matter what they are and persevere through them no matter what. I mean, my sister was a huge testament to it because, um, the, the thing about that disorder is that even though it affects them physically, it doesn't affect them mentally. So she had full thoughts and reactions and emotions. And even though she couldn't communicate it to us, we could pretty much tell (laughs) what she thought and how she felt about things. And I mean, to not have, any abilities whatsoever. Cause that's basically what the, the 
um, disorder does is it just like slowly takes away absolutely every ability that you have walking, talking, everything. And so, um, but I mean, she fought through it every single day to get to the next day, even though there wasn't a whole lot she could do. And so, um, yeah, it's just, that's kind of become the theme, I guess, throughout my life is like, no matter what circumstances you're handed, whether they're that serious or just as simple as like going through your twenties and not knowing what to do with your life (laughs) and are you doing it right? Um, it's just to keep pressing on towards the hope that there's, there's something more like as long as you're here on earth, there's more work to be done and you may kind of ungracefully get there sometimes, but it's okay. You just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thanks. Good. Because like even in your season now, Mm -hmm. how does that, what does that look like persevering? Um, yeah, it is right now. I'm really struggling with the, with the perfectionism stuff. And so it's literally just today was not perfect. You've got tomorrow. Let's do it again. (laughs) Um, and now too, I mean, there's so much more hope ahead, literally just watching my little boy grow up and knowing that, I mean, yeah, the world is not a perfect place right now. There's some stuff going on that you kind of look at it and you're like, oh boy, (laughs) are we going to be here tomorrow? (laughs) But, um, you know, I mean, there's, he's still got a whole entire life ahead of him and, um, my husband's business has been growing and where's it going to take him? And, um, so yeah, like I said, circumstances are not nearly as bleak as they once were, but, uh, just persevering through the bumps in the road and the mistakes that I sometimes make and (laughs) that everyone does. Yes, exactly. I'm wondering about the perfection because if you did struggle with perfectionism prior to being married and before having Wheeler, Mm -hmm. how much more has it been like exacerbated because you now have this little baby that is relying on you. And Mm -hmm. if you cannot do what he needs, then it's like, well, yeah, crap. Yeah. It's like so intensified now because it's not just me. And I'm one of those people that like, okay, if it's, if it's not perfect for me, that's okay. I can take a step back. It's being perfect for other people. <laughs> that is the biggest struggle. And so obviously, I mean, I'm his mom. He depends on me for everything. And if, if he's hurting, for instance, he is having an, issue, having an issue with acid reflux and he had been having this issue for a while, but I just figured that he was spitting up because baby spit up. And I didn't even take a second to be like, maybe he's spitting up more than he ought to at this age. Um, and you know, we finally got him the relief that he needed and he was able to sleep more and he was more comfortable. Um, but just in that moment of being like, dang, I'm a horrible mom. I didn't even realize (laughs) he was having acid reflux issues, um, which is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, like God has a purpose with the way that he designed moms to be and babies to be in those first days, in those first months, years, you know, and he designed it in a way that babies are able to work through that kind of pain pretty well. And yeah, they're going to cry because that's the only way that they know how to communicate with you. But, um, I mean, my mom has had to, had to remind me of that several times when I've called her like, I'm such a terrible mom. I'm doing this wrong. Tell me what I need to do. And, um, 
you know, she said, you need to back off of the perfectionism because the more that you try to be perfect through all of this, the more intense it's going to become for him and the more likely you are to run into stressful times and the more likely you are for it to not go well. And she was like, you just got to give yourself grace. You got to give yourself even more grace. And um, so, If yeah. you think you're giving yourself grace, give yourself more, mm-hmm. basically. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah, because the more grace that you give yourself, then the more grace I'm able to give my husband and um, just other people. It's, yeah, it's an exercise. You gotta, it is. gotta work it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, very true. Um, what is something that you would tell your past self, like to prepare for anything that you've Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think about this all the time, <laughs> which is funny because like, so we were talking about Enneagram 7. Usually as an Enneagram 7, you're thinking to the future always. Like, and, and you do. It's I struggle with living in the present because I'm always preparing for the future so much that I have to slow down and be like, whoa, take a minute. Just appreciate where you are. Appreciate where you are. But it's funny because the older that I get, the more that I look back at the past, I'm like, man, I really didn't realize how good I had it at the time. That's my thing. And so if I were to go back and like visit with my past self, I would just say, okay, relax. Don't worry so much about how much you think you need to accomplish and just appreciate where you are. Like the friends that you have, the season that you're in, because it's never going to be like this ever again. And, um, I mean, even during the, the shaky times during my twenties where I was like, oh my gosh, I had so much time, free time as a personal trainer. And I remember at the time freaking out because, oh my gosh, I'm, I don't have this hour booked with a client. I'm not making money. I should be making money. And I could have just gone to the park and eaten lunch or gone on a walk with a friend or like, <laughs> I had so much free time and I could have gone and traveled and there, there were trips that I didn't take because, well, I need to be here just in case like my schedule fills up and yeah. So all that to say, I would totally go back and just be like, appreciate where you are and just relax. <laughs> Which is so nice because I love this part because yes, you would have told your past self that, yeah. but you're also telling yourself that now so that yes. you can live that way from now until forever. Exactly. Exactly. Like, just appreciate the time that you have. Yes. Wheeler is never going to be this age again. Exactly. Like, no. And that's, that is something that... Because I loved babies growing up. I was a babysitter and just loved, loved, loved hanging out with children and spending time with them. And it always amazed me how quickly babies grew up then. And so I think there's been part of me that's like been repeating to myself this whole entire time, appreciate the time now. Because like he's only, right now he's um, five months old and I only have him in this five month stage for a little bit. I mean, he just started sitting up on his own <laughs> literally two days ago. <laughs> like, and now he's going to start to learn how to crawl. So every single day it's like, okay, appreciate it. Soak it up as much as you can. And this yeah. is exactly what you wanted. Yeah. You know, which is amazing yes. because yeah. like you are living your past self's dream. Exactly. Yes. I mean, it is. And it's funny because I guess you, you like have a picture of what it's going to look like one day. And of course it's the perfect thing. And like everything is in line. And 
I normally have a tendency to focus on what's not right. And this time around, though, it, it hasn't even really even been a struggle to be like, no, don't even think about what you thought it would be. Because, like, he's he's perfect. Like, this baby is awesome. And I've got an incredible husband. And it's, you know, not all sunshine and rainbows all the time. But, but it's better than you could have ever have imagined. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it's such a huge blessing. So always focusing I love on that. that. Yeah, I need that reminder. So thank you for that. <laughs> a baby will do it. That is for sure. Okay, well I'm not ready for all that quite yeah, yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come over and and steal your little baby yeah. for a second. <laughs> yeah, you can come and hold him anytime you want. <laughs> um, so anybody who has gone through similar situations to you, whether that's questioning what you're doing in life throughout your 20s or maybe dealing with something a little bit more tragic like you had with your sister, mm-hmm. yeah. um, what would you tell them? I would definitely say that there is nothing in this world that can knock you off of where God wants to take you. If he has a plan for your life, he's going to make it happen no matter what, no matter how you get there. And um, I used to stress so much about, am I doing exactly what I need to be doing? I don't feel like I'm in the place where I need to be. Oh my gosh. But I would just say to everybody and do say to so many friends and everything like, God's going to get you where he, where he's going to take you. And sometimes you may have to take the long way around, but just rest. And the fact that he's the one that's got it all together. He's the one that's making the show happen. Not us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It's difficult. Um, I mean, I struggle with it all the time, but when I have had those moments in my life where I've been like, he's got this, it's fine. I I can relax. Um, Things have gone a lot smoother. They really have. Yeah. So one <laughs> quote that I heard when I was like in this time of my life where I was like, oh, this is not how I pictured it, yes. was like, um, what's meant for you will not pass you by. Yes, exactly. And I just love that because mm-hmm. it's like the same thing. God's yes. got you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you'll be where you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then who's the most influential person in your life? Yes. Okay. Besides Jesus. Besides Jesus. Yes. Cause everyone is going to say that I would definitely say, I mean, there's been so many people who have influenced me over my life, but now that I am where I am, not even just with being a parent, but just as a person as a whole, 100% is my parents. Um, I mean, my dad taught me about finances, <laughs> like nobody's business. I mean, he pretty much put me in Dave Ramsey when I was little. <laughs> and so, I mean, just when it comes to like even practical things, my dad has influenced me so much. But then when it comes to relational things, um, just like relationships with friends, family, all that, 100% my mom has been the biggest influencer. And I kind of feel like a cop out saying that, that it's my parents, because of course, like our parents are major influencers in our life. But, um, the older I get, the more I realize how blessed I was to have them as my parents. And now being a parent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah, they are incredible and they have been through so much together and never wavered. I mean, they're amazing. So yeah. I'm just thankful that I'm going to interview them too. We're yeah. Them on the podcast. Girl. Yes. <laughs> you want some wisdom. <laughs> yes. Bring up. it on. <laughs> 
Okay, so <laughs> final question, and yes. I like to ask everybody this. Okay. What are you looking forward to most this year in 2023? Oh, I'm so excited to just do all of the things that I normally do, but with my baby. I mean, I'm so pumped simply to go to the beach and take my baby to the beach. I know there's so many moms who are like, oh, you think you're going to go to the beach and have a vacation, but it's not a vacation. So I know that it'll be probably like tiring, but (laughs) I cannot wait to see him put his little toes in the sand and experience that. And, um, just go, we have this, um, small campground that we go to in Georgia every year as a family. And, um, to be able to watch him experience all of those traditions and all of that, I'm so pumped for. Like, it's simple, but... Oh, no, that's so amazing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be grand, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It'll be fun. It's... And of course, you're going to put it on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's... Oh, on your blog, on your yes. website, uh-huh. it's coming soon, everyone. Yes, I. It's so close, so close to being done. <laughs> I've worked out all the bugs. Now I've just got to get content on there, but and that's the easy part. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so speaking of yes, for those who want to follow you, yes, how can they do so? Yes, so I have right now the most content is on my Instagram. It's at homemade h o m e. M A I D <laughs> Mama M O M M A. Um, and then the website, which I'll eventually launch and everything, is gonna be homemademama.com. And I've also got a Facebook page. So Oh wow, I didn't even yes. know about that. Yeah, no, I had just set it up and yeah, through <laughs> a happy accident of sharing it on the wrong page, have <laughs> now introduced it to the world. Um, but yeah, so I'm on Facebook. Instagram, and then I'll have the website coming soon. Great. And I will be sure to put all of that information in the show notes. Thank so people you. Can check you out. And I'll be sharing yours as well. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Well, Chasley, that is a wrap on your maybe first ever podcast. Yes, it is my first ever podcast. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being here. I've so enjoyed your story. Thanks. Love being here. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Sounds Familiar. If you've enjoyed the show and found some value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a written review and a glowing rating wherever you're listening. We all know how this internet stuff works, so it'll help more people like you find this show. If you want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow us on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. Talk to you next time. Have a great week.